Ezekiel 44, verse 1, and he's uh, with a, an angel of the Lord here, and the Bible says, Then he, the angel, brought me back the way of the gate of the outward sanctuary, which looketh toward the east, and it was shut. Then said the Lord unto me, This gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened, and no man shall enter in by it, because the Lord, the God of Israel, hath entered in by it, Therefore it shall be shut. Verse 3, it is for the prince. The prince, he shall sit in it to eat bread before the Lord. He shall enter by the way of the porch of that gate and shall go out by the way of the same. Let's pray. Lord, we ask for your guidance tonight. Father, I pray that you'd uh, help, help me, Father, to uh, be able to communicate a, uh, a special truth tonight. Uh, maybe not a, a simple one, Lord, but Father, just three passages here in your word will compare together. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are the God that, that can open closed doors. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to see that uh, practical truth tonight. Help us to lift up our eyes and look to the hills and, uh, and get ready for your soon return, Lord. I pray it would be even tonight, Father, you said in your word that your son would come with clouds. And as we came in tonight, I noticed a few clouds. So, Lord, maybe tonight we'll be thankful if it is. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Ezekiel is, uh, is with the Lord there, with the angel of the Lord, and, and uh, he's just taking him around and he's touring a city that uh, doesn't exist yet. Uh, it's, it's partially rebuilt over there right now, but Ezekiel's getting to see things that we haven't even seen yet. Uh, they have designs for, for rebuilding the temple. They have plans for rebuilding the wall. And those are all exciting things. You can kind of get caught up in that. But, uh, but God will take care of the details. But he gives Ezekiel some clear-cut uh, hope to look forward to. And as they pass by this one gate now, he says, uh, he says it's shut and it isn't going to be opened. And there's a, the reason it won't be opened, he says, is because of this. He says, because, in verse 2, the Lord, the God of Israel, hath entered in by it. Past tense. He's already walked through this door. Now, sometimes uh, the Lord doesn't, he, he uh, sometimes will give to the prophets some hard things to say. And for Ezekiel to even write this down, uh, it was probably really hard because as far as Ezekiel had known in all the history of that gate, God had never walked through that gate. He never had. But the Lord gives it to him this way because in 2023, you and me were going to read it. And when we read it in 2023, we, we're not as confused as Ezekiel is because there's a gate on the east side of Jerusalem, the eastern gate... Uh, very simply called, on the east side of Jerusalem, that when you read this passage, it says, The Lord, the God of Israel, hath entered in by it. Why, that is something that you and I know a whole lot about, and uh, something we celebrate uh, just before Easter. We call it Palm Sunday. Can you come over to Luke chapter 19 with me tonight? Luke chapter 19 and, and let's read where the Lord, the God of Israel, walked in through that eastern gate. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 and 
We'll start in, uh, oh, I suppose verse 28 here at the paragraph mark. It says, And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat, loose him, and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do ye loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. You recognize this, this passage of Scripture. You recognize this story. In verse 32 it says, They that were sent went their way, found even as he had said unto them, and as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said to them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. Uh, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, uh, when I read that, I can't help but when I read that, just uh, I, I want to identify with that unbroken wild donkey there. Uh, if, if nobody else needs me, the Lord hath need of him. And, uh, and I'll take my place with the donkeys if, I can, if the Lord have need of me. <laughs> you know, there was, a, there was a woman in the Bible that the Lord, uh, the Lord put her with the dogs. He said, you know, even, he said, I don't, I don't take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And you know what she did? She said, I'll take the, my place with the dogs because I've seen dogs get crumbs from the table. And, uh, uh, you know, if, if you've got to identify with a, with a donkey, do it. If you've got to identify with the dogs, hey, if it'll get you closer to the Lord, uh, I'll do it. I'll do it. it uh, it's not flattering, but uh, that phrase there, the Lord hath need of him, that's, there's been many times I've been fired from jobs before. You know why? They didn't have any need for me anymore. And they just say, pack your stuff up. You know, we, we don't need you to come back tomorrow. Boy, it's just, uh, there's nothing, that, nothing that'll stick with you, nothing that'll, that'll put you down like that. And sometimes it's your fault, and sometimes it's, just, you know, just the way the economy is. Maybe it's just the way that business is being run and, and there's nothing you can do about it. But uh, I just think of every time I should have packed my bags and headed home and, and took my Bible and, uh, you know, put it in a box and mailed it to somebody that could use it right. The Lord says, just wait a minute. Just one more day. I've, I need you just a little longer and uh, I'll, I'll take that. All right. Now, that wasn't that isn't the message there, but it's just sometimes preaching sneaks in there. And uh, you just have to get it where you can get it, all right? But watch this now. <laughs> watch this, verse 35. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. That's uh, If you can lift up Jesus any way you can, all right? And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives. Now, that uh, twice it's mentioned the Mount of Olives. That is, that's the east side of the city. That's the east side there. And Jesus is going to come into Jerusalem. And coming down from the Mount of Olives, there's only one gate there at the descent of the Mount of Olives that he could walk in through. It's the eastern gate. In verse 37, he comes in through the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of the disciples begin to rejoice and to praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying... Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. Boy, they start making a scene there. They start praising the King that comes in the name of the Lord. And in He comes to Jerusalem with palm branches on the ground and people's clothes. They didn't even want the donkey to touch the ground that Jesus rode on. 
I'm telling you what, they were, they were making a show for him that they'd never made for Herod as he came in and out of Jerusalem. Never made for Pontius Pilate as he rode in and out of Jerusalem. They wouldn't, those Jews wouldn't even think of doing that for some Roman, some Gentile. But here's Jesus come in and the whole city gets in an uproar. And there's people there and the Romans can't do anything about it. And uh, even the Pharisees, they don't like it at all, but they can't do anything about it because something's happening right now that's bigger than them. It's because the Word of God had prophesied, the prophets had said a long time ago, that through that gate, the Lord, the God of Israel, would come. And here they are watching Him come. Now, He, he didn't come like, like in uh, Mount Sinai with smoke and a pillar of fire there. He was just lowly, riding upon a, a colt, the foal of an ass. There He comes in walking as the prophets prophesied. And, and some of them started to recognize, boy, they've been reading their Bible and they say, this is it. This is Him. And in comes Jesus Christ and comes in there and then begins the last week of his life. That's what we call Palm Sunday. Now, you've got to give Ezekiel some, you've got to help him out a little bit because when he says, when he's hearing this and the Lord says, now you don't, nobody comes in through there because, because the Lord has come in through that gate. Ezekiel hadn't seen that yet. He doesn't understand it. But when you read it just now, you understand that eastern gate is shut right now, and it's for the reason that that's in the Bible. Uh, your pastor was able to go over to Israel, and uh, they showed uh, some pictures there, and I, I'm sure he's told you a lot more and will tell you a lot better than I can, but there was a picture um, Sister Beth showed me on her phone of the, of the view from the eastern gate, and just outside that eastern gate, I don't know if, if, they, if you got to see this picture, if you've heard of this, but right outside that eastern gate is a graveyard. How many of you have heard about this before? All right. One of us? Okay. A couple of us? Outside that eastern gate, there's a graveyard there. It's a, it's a Muslim graveyard. It is a Muslim holy place that no Jew is allowed to walk on. And they put that graveyard there and have the that gates all bricked up. And they said, no Jew will ever come through this gate again. They put all that stuff out through there. And uh, as far as... Ezekiel knew that's kind of where we're at. We're where Ezekiel was, where that gate shut up. And he said, nobody comes in through here except for the prince. Now, I got to tell you that one of these days, one of these days, Jesus Christ is going to come back the same, uh, not like the, he came the first time, but he's going to come back and he's going to touch down right out the Mount of Olives. And he's going to land there and he's going to walk right into Jerusalem, right through the eastern gate. And he's going to walk right on top of all that, that Muslim holy ground. Because there is no holy ground unless God's there. Amen. Amen. He come walking through that gate. And, the, and just like Jericho. I, man, the whole Bible, I tell you, points to this thing. Those walls of Jericho fell down. That wall, they've got that thing all bricked up. It's just going to melt in front of him. It's just going to collapse. And it'll make the way for the Lord to come in the second time. And he'll walk in through that gate the second time. That's, uh, that's something we can look forward to. The Lord calls him in Ezekiel. Now, he tells him, he said, that's for the prince. That's for the prince. And uh, that's how they knew uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, they praised him there. Blessed be he, the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. They wanted to put him up as king. The first time he didn't come as a king. He came as the lamb. But they, and they wanted him to be the king so bad. And, and you read through Daniel, and in Daniel, when the, he identifies the Messiah, he calls him over and over again, Messiah the Prince. Messiah the Prince. 
You read in Isaiah, in the great verse, Isaiah 9, 6, uh, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Those, the Jews know who, who's coming, and uh, they're, they're looking for a man that's going to be a prince. They just missed the king when he came the first time. The minute they, they understand that he came once already, they'll read Ezekiel and they'll understand exactly what he's talking about. See, God gave him a prophecy that was the key to understanding something that had already happened, even though Ezekiel was standing there going, I don't know what you're talking about, Lord. But I want to, I want to just uh, uh, pull a couple of things, uh, just show you, encourage you with a couple of things tonight, and that is some places are some places in uh, in our life now. Doctrinally, we've already looked at it, but practically speaking, the Bible says, "This gate shall be shut, and it shall not be opened, and no man shall enter in by it." In Ezekiel forty-four, uh, because I've come through there, and nobody will go through there again. Practically speaking, there's some things that Jesus has, has done and will do and can do that you or I can't do or attempt on our own. If he doesn't go through, if he doesn't walk through that door, we don't have any right trying to make it happen. Uh, I want to just tell you that as far as atoning for your sins, that was the gate that, that he walked through that no man, has to, no man has the right to try and walk through again. There are a lot of people in, uh, in places all around the world. Another friend of mine, uh, Dean Hayes, he uh, went, to, uh, went to Italy and he was telling me about how he would see people there and they had a, a fountain. Uh, I, can't, I don't remember the place, but they had a fountain there and it was supposed to be where you could wash away your sin. Some water from, it was a, you know, some holy relic from somewhere and uh, that water is supposed to have sin cleansing properties and people would, would go there and they would, they, would, they would wash their bodies in that thing. And uh, just come away soaking wet and just full of sin. There's no way they could they could do make any difference. Missionary friends of mine in the Philippines talk about how once a year those folks will get literally they will tie themselves or nail themselves to crosses. Those dedicated Catholics there will 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 reenact the scene of Calvary, but. Really, I mean, they'll really, really get beaten, and they'll really carry a cross, and they will really be bloodied, and uh, just trying to, trying to walk through a gate that Christ walked through, and they don't have to walk through it again. That's not, that's not something that he ever intended for anybody else to have to walk through again. He went through it, and now it's shut, and the, the Lord said, that's for the prince, and that's not for anybody else. And... Uh, so it is in, in our life, you know, sometimes as a, as a Christian, we try, to, uh, we try to make things happen without, uh, without the guidance of the Lord and um, trying to make things, uh, make things work in our life because we see other people do it and we figure if they're doing it, we should be allowed to do it. Paul did the, very, the most wise thing when he, when he got saved. The first words out of his mouth were, Lord... What wilt thou have me to do? Paul kept the relationship just between the Lord and him and nobody else. And that's, uh, that would be a, a, such an important thing. When you get saved, uh, man, you can, there's programs, there's Bible studies, there's podcasts and radio programs, and everybody says, you've got to do it this way. If you don't do it this way, you, it's just... And everybody gets, uh, tries to get in touch with... What they're doing in Texas and what they're doing, what they're preaching in, you know, all over the country. There's always somebody doing it better and greater and bigger. And, well, 
Paul didn't even, he didn't even go to Peter when he first got saved. He said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And lots of times we're trying to go through gates that the Lord said, no, that's, that's not for you. That's, uh, that may be for somebody else that I direct, but that's not for you. You'll go through the one that I tell you to go through. And uh, there's a real uh, neat picture, a neat story that's uh, been retold in the, in the, for the kids there. We, we listen to Patch the Pirate Adventures, all right? And that's a good uh, gospel ministry for kids there. But in one of them, the Mount Zion Marathon, the, the path in this marathon, this uh, picture of a Christian race, and this young man's running a race, his Christian race, and the path for his race runs right into a wall, and uh, and the 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 whole argument is well what can I go around it can I climb over it no you got to go through it and uh, this this young man he just was made to go through it and he didn't think he could but that's where the path led that's where the Lord was leading him and when he ran at it and he gave it his gave it his full strength the Lord the Lord made the wall come down and uh, it sounds good to listen to on a on a kid's recording. But that's how life is a lot of times. God will, God will take you up to your Jericho and say, there it is, now you've got to go through that. And we say, you mean you want me to go around it? And the Lord says, I want you to go through it. <laughs> and uh, we don't like that because that, uh, that requires a lot of faith and a lot of obedience. But the Lord said, it shall be shut, it won't be opened. The only person that can open this thing is me. And if I open it, it'll be open. But if I shut it, it'll be shut. He said... This gate is for the prince. And practically, that's, that's what these things mean here. Uh, one of the neatest things that I, I got to see here, now you see where Jesus Christ walks into that, into that place there. Isaiah chapter 40, and you can turn there if you want to. I'm just going to flip there so I can read it to you. But this is what John the Baptist preached when, when Jesus came the first time. And it's in Isaiah chapter 40. And then right after that, I think we're, we're going to uh, we're gonna go over to Revelation here. But we'll, Isaiah 40, I want you to see this. Isaiah chapter 40. And again, Isaiah as a prophet, uh, speaking of things that, that he hadn't seen yet that he wouldn't even see in his lifetime. Some of it didn't even make sense to him. He's In Isaiah 40, the first words of this chapter are, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Well, unfortunately for Isaiah, he's saying comfort to a bunch of people that it was fixing to get real uncomfortable. Their, their, uh, their whole uh, ordeal wasn't even done yet, but the Lord's having him write something uh, that wasn't necessarily for him. Uh, you know, God can do that through us sometimes, and maybe that's, a, that's a, something we need to come to grips with, is that sometimes we go to the doctor and we get bad news. Sometimes we, uh, we get inconvenienced or hurt or betrayed or backstabbed or, man, we get, uh, we get run up against a wall and we say, Lord, why are you doing this to me? And God's not doing it to you for you. He's doing it to you for somebody else. Uh, if you're... If, you're a Christian, and somebody knows it, they're watching. They're watching. And anybody can be a Christian when things are going great. 
And anybody can smile and anybody can say praise the Lord. But the Lord says, you know what I need? I need, I need somebody to, to testify of me in bad times. And God sometimes picks us for that. And Isaiah, that's what he picked Isaiah for. He told Isaiah, tell him, tell him comfort ye my people. And Isaiah said, Lord, I'm anything but comfortable right now. And he said, they, they aren't going to like to hear this. They're going to think I'm crazy. And he said, well, that's all right. They, they, he said, I imagine the Lord told Isaiah, when I show up, they're going to kill me. So don't worry, Isaiah. Well, you're in good company. Uh, but just remember that sometimes the Lord puts you through something for somebody else. But let's read verse 2 now. Ver, Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Well, it wasn't in Isaiah's case. But it, but it will be, when we finish the verse here, her warfare is accomplished that her iniquity is pardoned. It hadn't been at this time, but it will be when we finish this passage here. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Look at verse 3 now. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. John the Baptist came, and that's exactly what he told those people. He said, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Make his paths straight. Make, make ready for him to come. Those, the, the Israelites, uh, some of them did, some of them made the way straight, but as a, as a, for the general nation, they, they looked on him in unbelief, and you know that's how it turned out. It's why it turned out the way it did. They did, did not believe him, and that's why they crucified him. But for some of those, for some of those individuals there, they did. They said, you know what, we are going to get ready for the Lord to do something. And when the Lord was crucified and pardoned their sins, and then was justified in the Spirit and rose, went back up into heaven, they realized, we're not going to get the king right now. We watched him come in through the eastern gate. We knew that was him, but we're just a few people. We're just, we're just 11 guys here. <laughs> 11, 12, maybe 120 there in that upper room. That's out of the whole nation, 120 people. And they said, well, now what? Because they made, made the way straight. God did something else. He's in the, uh, he's in the, the door open in business. And uh, when Jesus, uh, he intended to open up that eastern gate and make it for himself. Uh, I want to sh show you how, one more thing in Ezekiel here. I'm, I apologize. I Double-minded man's unstable in all his ways. Come to Ezekiel now 46. And we'll, we'll hit this before we go to the New Testament. Ezekiel 46, what, when Jesus Christ came through that gate, that eastern gate, he spent a week in Jerusalem, and then they crucified him. What's interesting is when they crucified him, Golgotha's on the other side of the, of the city there. All right, according to, you know, according to a map. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting that the map I was looking at uh, is the right one. And, uh, but uh, they took him out there on the west side. Hey, that's where Golgotha was, and that's where they crucified him. Look at Ezekiel 46, and this is, this is just something that spoke to my heart here, and, and 
Trust it'll, it'll help you a little bit. Verse 8, Ezekiel 46, 8, When the prince shall enter, he shall go in by the way of the porch of that gate, and he shall go forth by the way thereof. But when the people of the land shall come before the Lord in the solemn feasts, he that entereth in by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate. And he that entereth by the way of the south gate shall go forth by the way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate whereby he came in, but shall go forth over against it. What he's saying is, he said, when you come in, when, when you're coming in, the, as the prince comes in, you come in. And he uses the example of the south to the north. He said, if you come in up here, you go out down here. And if you come in down here, you go out up there. Now, that's a practical thing because they were, they're moving in the city to worship. But it's a, it's a very good spiritual thing because... Whenever you come in to worship the Lord, you don't leave the same way you came. You can't. It's just not how it works. When the Lord came, He said, He's coming in through the east gate, but He's going to go out the west gate. And that's exactly what happened. He, they, he uses the prince as an illustration. He said, He came in the east, He's going out the west. That's exactly what happened to Jesus. Went in through that city in the east, went out, was crucified on the, on the west of it. In verse 10 now, and this will take us to the New Testament... It says, And the prince in the midst of them, when they go in, shall go in, and when they go forth, shall go forth. Now a promise where he says, you, when you come in and when you go out, the prince is with you wherever you go. Now you've got to understand that uh, if, this is, uh, if this is any kind of human that we're, they're talking about, that just don't work. Else all he'd be doing is walking in and out all day. But you and I can understand that real well now because we know that the Lord said that uh, when I go, I'll send you a, a comforter, comforter and I will be with you. Wh- whithersoever thou goest, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. We're in the New Testament now. And here's where we'll stay. John chapter... I am so sorry. 10 verse 9. I said John chapter 9. I got the verse and the chapter mixed up. John chapter 10 verse 9. And we're... We're almost through here. John chapter 10. When you meet the Lord, you don't leave the same. He came in triumphantly and he left rejected. You come to the Lord rejected and you leave triumphantly. He works, uh, he works that thing because he was crucified. You get, to be, you get to be adopted and lifted up and forgiven. He just did everything that he did. It was so that we could, we could follow in reverse and uh, not come out the same way we went in. And Jesus, hearkening back to this thing now, Ezekiel's been written hundreds and hundreds of years before. And Jesus is standing there. Would you back up with me about two verses to John 10 verse 7? Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and then I love this, and shall go in and out, back and forth, and find pasture. Jesus says, I am the door. A lot of times we, we look at situations and we say, well, there's, how, does, how can God make this thing happen? Well, He's the door. He's the door. The Lord is in the door opening business. Uh, if God could forgive your sins, and I'm telling you what, uh, 
the fact that Jesus came in within a week's time, the whole that whole city to turn on him the way they did, it had to have been it had to have been planned. It had to have been God's will for him to lay down his life as a ransom for you. It's just there's too much there that just shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened. An innocent man shouldn't have died that way. He shouldn't have had to be humiliated that way. Between Herod and Pilate, and let's face it, even Barabbas there at that crucifixion, you'd think somebody would have said, look, send Barabbas to the cross for crying out loud. He's a murderer. We don't want him. You'd think Pilate would have man, you know, got some guts about him and said, listen, I don't care what you want. This is wrong, and this is wrong in so many ways. But all the, they, just, they just all fell down, and it was the Lord saying, listen, I came in the triumphant gate. I'll be leaving now out this other gate here. I'll be leaving by way of a cross. But when I come back, having bore the cross, I'm going to come back, and, and when I come back the next time, uh, we'll be coming in triumphantly. There won't be any, there will be no more crosses. There won't be any more rejection. And for you and me, what, the, what does that mean? That means that if the prince came in, he said in Ezekiel, he said, you go in and come out, and the prince in the midst of you, he'll be with you. That's quite a prophecy there. And Ezekiel looks at that and says, well, I mean, how many princes are there going to be? Are they just wandering around everywhere? Nope, just one prince. But he's going to be in the midst of you. And Jesus says, because I am the door. I am the door. I can't wait until, uh, until the day. You know, he's the door to heaven. And I can't wait till the door swings open one of these days. And Jesus comes out of it to say, come up hither and to take us home to be with him. There's a song. I love this song that... Uh, it says, uh, and maybe your pastor has even sang it, I don't know. I think I've heard him sing it once before. I don't know if he sang it here. But it sings, a door was hung at Calvary, and it hinges on the cross, is the, is the words of that song. At the end of one of the verses, it says, it's no secret how death was conquered. You know, Jesus died, and he was buried, and he's in hell, and uh, paying for sins, and he's coming out the third day. Well, how did he get out of there? You know, how, the devil says, well, how did he, how did he escape? The door was locked. And uh, Jesus said, I am the door. And the secret is, as the song says, the key was in the door. <laughs> the key, they left the key in the door. Come, last, last reference, I told you I'd have three, and I think we've did, done five tonight. You've been awful patient. I hope it's been profitable. Let's go to Revelation chapter 3. I promise you we end in Revelation chapter 3. <laughs> You've heard promises from Baptist preachers before, haven't you? <laughs> You got to watch them. You got to watch them. All right. Don't believe. Only believe what they say when they're when they're reading the Bible, and watch them otherwise. Revelation chapter three. Uh, we have we've had a doctrinal truth. We've had some practical truth now, and then this here is is what I consider a very a very spiritual thing, and it's it's just as practical as anything else, and just as doctrinal, but. While we wait for the Lord, there are, there are many more doors that, uh, that are to be opened. And uh, they're not all gates that are bricked up like that eastern gate is. I mean, when, when that happens, the, the television cameras from around the world be, are going to be honed in on that thing. The eyes of the planet are going to be on that. And when Jesus walks through, I mean, there's, it, it will be a tremendous, magnificent sight. 
you'll be there, but you won't have to watch on TV. You'll, you'll be right behind him. See, when the prince walks in, uh, the prince's entourage walks in right behind him. And that'll be grand and glorious. And he comes in to make his, uh, make his dwelling with us for a thousand years on this planet. What a great day. But here we are, and, and we're past Ezekiel, past the cross. But before he comes back... But I've got to tell you, the Lord's still in the door open in business. Revelation chapter 3, I want you to look at verse 7. Verse number 7. Revelation 3, 7, he says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Can I encourage you this last thought tonight, church? The Lord, uh, the Lord is still in the door open in business. This key of David that he's talking about, that's, that's, uh, that's, just, that's just too cool. Here's the door, and what good is the door if you can't get in? But the key was in the door. Jesus says, I'm the door. And he says, I've set before you an open door, and no man can shut it. What is that open door? What is that open door? Well, I think he tells you in, uh, in the end of verse 8 there, he says, Thou hast had a little strength. He said, You apply yourself, you keep my word, and you've... And don't deny my name. You say, what, what, is, what does that look like? Well, it looks like applying yourself. Put, put your little strength where, it can, where God can use it. Keep his word. Memorize it. Read it. Take it with you everywhere you go. Don't be ashamed of it. And don't deny his name. Don't be ashamed to be called a Christian. Don't be ashamed to be identified as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ. You say, that's the door? I believe that that's the door. I believe the door is the fact that you, can, you as a Christian have a free entrance into heaven, and if, if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. You can be a public testimony. You can bear the name of Christ. You can read the very words of God, and, and uh, you can get a hold of them. Uh, and and you, know, you can own a Bible. The fact is... is uh, very true, very true, that there's not, there are fewer and fewer places where uh, the Bible is welcomed. And uh, it's, a, it's a shame that it is that way, but, but here you are and you've got one. Well, that's an open door. That's an open door. Can I just, uh, in Revelation 3 though, there is one door that you find the man with the key, not, not just going through. And there's one door that God does not have the key to. And I would close with this because I don't know where, uh, where Antiquity Baptist Church, I don't, uh, I don't know your testimony, I, I don't get to fellowship with you. And it would be a disservice to you if I just assumed, and I presume and say, you know what, everybody that I see here is for sure going to heaven and I don't have to worry about, uh, worry about anybody here not knowing Jesus as their Savior. It's best not to assume that. It's best to just, just make it clear that if you're not saved, God can open any other door in history, in eternity, 
No door of man's invention will stand against him. No weapon formed against thee shall prosper. The Bible says, I'm telling you, he can open any door. But there is one now. And if I could use Revelation 3, verse 20 now, and you know this verse, where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Well, that isn't like Jesus at all. If he saw a door he wanted to go through, he's just going through it. But he says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. That's the door to your heart, friend. And uh, of all the keys that God has, I mean, he's got the keys of hell and of death. He's got the keys to the, to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. I mean, he's, uh, he's going to make the key to the eastern gate there in Jerusalem. You know, he's just going to bust it down. He's got all the other keys, but the door to your heart is shut and locked from the inside. And he'll knock, but he's not going to kick it down. He's not going to force his way in. But if you've never opened that door for him, you're not saved. If, you, if, if you're sitting in here and, you know, like my kids, you say, well, daddy's a preacher. Well, daddy can't open the door either. Maybe you say, well, I, I've, always, I've always been a Christian. I, you know, I was that, I was that guy. I, my parents were saved and uh, I trusted Christ very young and I, uh, but I... I just did all the, the motions and the movements, and it just looked like I was a Christian. You know, I could pray better in, in public than some of, the, some of the adults in our church. Had I opened the door to Christ yet? No, no. And see, that's the thing. It's, uh, it opens from the inside. It opens from the inside. You keep that door shut, and can I just tell you, all the other doors that God would have opened uh, will stay shut also. But you open one... And he'll open the rest. That, that gate to heaven, I tell you, is, is wide and tall and high and it's made of solid pearl. Uh, but if you've opened the door of your heart to Christ, the door of heaven will swing freely on its hinges to let you in. That's just how the Lord will work. I'm looking forward to the prince that opens doors. I'm looking forward to the day that he comes back. And I hope you'll be, be ready for him. I hope you're one of his children. You, you trusted in him. And that you'll take advantage of what he's given you and the privilege of being a Christian with the Lord coming back so very soon. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Thank you for coming tonight, for listening, for inviting me. What a privilege. Let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you told Ezekiel that, uh, that God, I can understand, and, and Ezekiel didn't. Oh, Lord, I'm so, I'm so privileged, God, to be standing here with a complete Bible in my hand. And at this point in history where we've seen you do so much that, uh, that you promised to do, God, it's just it's happening right in front of our eyes. And, Lord, I'm so thankful for that. And, Lord, I thank you for that day that you walked in through that eastern gate only to walk out on the western side hauling a cross on your back. Lord, thank you for that day, God. Thank you that you, you went from victory to humility so that I could go from humility to victory. Thank you for the promise of, of going with me, being the door that I can fellowship, I can go in and out and find pasture. Lord, I pray that this church would find uh, comfort, 
great comfort in who you are. And if there's a, a soul here tonight that uh, maybe has just been masking over the fact that they are not saved, they, they are coming to church, they enjoy church, they enjoy uh, uh, hanging around the folks at Antiquity Baptist Church, and it's a good place to be, but Lord, their heart is still shut to you. Father, please, would you bring conviction tonight? Would you help them to understand it's not worth, uh, it's not worth faking? Lord, it's, uh, it'd be all too soon, and the trumpet will sound, and we'll know, we'll know who belongs to you and who doesn't. We'll know who the door opens for and for whom it'll stay shut forever. God, please help us to be witnesses and testimonies in, in the time that we have left. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. Page 275.